The Hornets are going to need a lot of help this season. Who is primed to take the biggest leap on the roster? Then we'll take a look at the projected starting fives. Is there any question who the five are that's going to be out there? Game one immediately. We'll talk about all of that today. Locked on Hornets. Locked on Hornets. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. <laughs> Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free and available anywhere you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH. Doug, how are you doing today? Because I know it was a rough night for you staying up because you have a child, as you've told us a few times. Yeah, I don't know why I don't have a child. I have a baby. Um, and it's a big difference. I well, I don't yeah, you know, I, I don't know true. what a child no, I don't I know what that. having a child is like. I'm looking forward to it. Uh because having a baby is pretty rough on the sleep <laughs> schedule. <laughs> I will I will I think I'll enjoy having a child. Having a baby is uh, a wonderful experience. I love my my baby, uh, but having yeah. a baby is is an intense experience as well. I love parents tiptoeing around the boundaries of hoping you don't think that they actually hate their baby. Yeah, we like, all look, do, I yeah. love it. It's Everyone great. It. It's no, magical. No, no. no I, love, I love my I love them. My baby's the greatest. I I it's a magical experience. Sometimes it's hard, but no, no, no. I still love my child. I still love my baby. That's how it goes. Um, so I, I'm glad that you're able to talk some Hornets, though. Surprising amount of content today in an offseason that's been very quiet. And in thanks in part to Josh Lloyd, who I appeared with on the Lockdown Fantasy. A quiet. Yeah, that's true. There's probably something mysterious going on in the background. In the meantime, I had a chance to talk with Josh Lloyd of the Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast. A lot of fun joining him, talking about LaMelo, Terry Rozier, plenty of topics surrounding the Hornets. So you can go check that out again. Locked on Fantasy Basketball just released that in the season preview series that he's doing with every single team, a part of the network. Lots of questions that we're going to get to in the next couple of days that he asked me. So I'm going to give what I said on that pod. I'm going to throw it at Doug. See if he agrees. See if he wants to debate me. See, no, yeah, dodge it. Oh, yep. Make sure. <laughs> no, there, it's coming at you. Well, you're throwing. I'm going to throw me. that I don't question. Know why you're throwing it at me? See, here's what, well, the, what people should know. I, I don't. I mean, people listen to this podcast from all over the world and all over the country, and so they're not necessarily in Charlotte. You know, some some of our listeners, so they don't know that you've spent the past couple of weeks on uh, one of the flagship uh, Charlotte radio stations, WFNZ. Uh, doing a few hours with the folks over there, and so now you come on this show and you're throwing you're you're throwing things at me. Are we going to start rolling along on a Thursday? Like you are you're <laughs> rolling <laughs> along on a Thursday. <laughs> you're, you're, you're picking up all the radio staples and just vomiting them on this podcast. <laughs> Brought to you by Bet Online. <laughs> I'm going to read like that. <laughs> it's so funny. It is. I I almost can't explain it. Radio is different than podcasting. It's so different. Radio Walker. So many- I was listening to you yesterday. Radio Walker is different than podcast Walker. And it's not bad. It's not bad. Not good. Yeah. I'm just saying they're two different no. species of will, talkers. I will say this though, and this this is true. A part of the podcasting difference as well. Having you as a partner very different than having other people as a partner as well. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, you mean professionals you mean people oh, that are not I, like I chaos mean, agents i mean 
I mean, I need to be ready for it's almost like taking a driving course mm-hmm. where I am the student driver and then I have to watch out for the child that runs after the ball into the street and I need mm-hmm. to stop immediately and give that child time. That's right. what happens here. Like maybe in radio, I stop a couple of times. <laughs> I'm in a school zone with you. Like, I got to stop all over the place and just make sure. And that's what makes the show great. We get it. Like, this is how it works. This is why I love this. But it is waiting to make sure, okay, we're, uh, you know, Doug, Doug's coming in. Uh, look, it's one of a kind. That's why I love it, man. That's why I love it. Thank you. Um, and it's why I'm going to throw you some questions here. I'm going to throw them at you. Exactly how I said it. Anyways, we wasted a lot of time. You're getting swiggy with it. I'll take that time to try to make sure I can get this question out. Josh Lloyd, among the many... He asked me, wanted to know who I thought would make the biggest leap this season for the Charlotte Hornets. A little bit of a tough question. LaMelo is somebody we've discussed taking that all NBA leap. PJ Washington, one of the better players, but offensively, how much can he do? How much responsibility can he take on? Gordon Hayward, very much aging. Terry Rozier, starting to age a little bit. Doug, I went with Jalen McDaniels. Not a surprise, knowing how much of a fan I am of Jalen. Just knowing what he's capable of, I actually thought there might be a little bit of a jump for him last year. And I think we saw him kind of mess with that a little bit. But then he got injured. Remember, he actually was out for a little while and and kind of a prolonged process. Thought he might come back, but it just was dealing with a nagging injury and then didn't come back until maybe his last 20 games of the season, something like that. I'm hoping for a fully healthy Jalen McDaniels. There has to be a bigger role for him, considering that there's not going to be a Miles Bridges and they did not sign anybody else. And Bryce McGowan's isn't going to come in and take that spot. So you didn't draft somebody in the first round that you're looking to give more minutes to. You drafted Mark Williams. You drafted Bryce McDaniel or Bryce McGowan's, who's going to be in the backcourt. So he's not taking over, even if the slim chance could happen like that. I, I think Jalen is the guy, three point shooting high basketball IQ, the type of guy I think Steve Clifford likes. So I think he's going to get more run just coming into his, you know, he's actually like what his fourth year now. So like, yeah, maybe a little bit, um, you know, starting to flirt with being a veteran. Yeah. I think McDaniels is that guy. So in the rundown here, you asked me who's going to take the big leap and the rundown here. It says a big jump. Is there a difference between a big jump and a big leap? Leap seems bigger. I think so. I think leap you're into a new tier of of player. So I now don't Superman, see Superman. Yeah. They they describe Superman as taking a, a big bound, right? He could leap tall buildings leap and, in a single leap, bound. Leaps and bounds. Yeah, I don't know mm. what a bound. I really don't know what a bound is, and you don't really hear that a lot. Taking a big bound. So a big leap. I think you're going. Yeah, you're going from tall building to even taller building. And I, a big jump is like somebody who was just completely obscure (laughs) and you're, you're, you're jumping onto the scene, right? I mean, a leap is you were already pretty good and you're going into the stratosphere, right? So I don't see Jalen McDaniels as that player. I think he's a good player. I think he's in that tier of like Cody Martin. They've, they've got some good pieces, especially at the forward position, not really at the guard position, but I think the Hornets are stacked with these good pieces at the two, three position. But, but I honestly, I'm going to give what I think is probably the boring answer here and say that I think the player with the potential to take the biggest leap is LaMelo ball. He has all of the tools necessary to go from all-star to all NBA. 
And that's probably what the Hornets are going to need, a very quick development of LaMelo Ball's game into elite territory in order to compete for a, a playoff spot or possibly compete to win a play-in game. <laughs> We're not asking a lot, folks. We just want to win a play-in <laughs> game. Yeah. But yep. I think it's good. I think it's going to be LaMelo Ball because he's going to get the opportunity. Uh, he has to get the opportunity. Barring injury, he's going to get a ton of burn and a ton of opportunity, especially if there is uh, uh, no Miles Bridges, if Gordon Hayward is hurt, um, mm-hmm. you know, if, if Gordon Hayward doesn't take more responsibility, let's say Gordon Hayward's healthy and, but he doesn't want to take a lot of responsibility for the, the uh, major responsibility for the offensive load. Then a lot of this is going to fall on LaMelo. So I think, I think he has the most potential. Yeah. No. And I, I think that's, you, you call it boring. I think it's easy. I also don't think it's boring. I actually think it's the more exciting answer because oh, well, yeah, LaMelo be exciting to watch. Yeah. yeah, no, for sure. And I do think he has that capability. I just look, you know, Jalen played 16 minutes a game last season. Mm-hmm. We actually did talk, uh, me and Josh were talking about LaMelo's playing like 32 minutes a game. We know how <laughs> fans have documented that, how much they hated James Brago and him refusing to play LaMelo up to like the 35, 36, 37 minutes per game mode. And and Josh was like, yeah, that's actually not a lot for your star player. It's like, yeah, we we know, you know, we didn't he didn't play nearly as much as we thought he would. Well, year and two, so if you, you know, I mean, the, the, the thing is, yes, it, I think I think people get ahead of themselves and, and it's easy to do that because we see the highlight plays uh, so often on sports, especially if you're not paying close attention to the team. Like, yes, mm-hmm. he is going to be the the best player is already probably the best player on the team but is going to continue to be the best player on this team uh but it was only year two so you know uh, there's plenty of time for him to get 38 9 40 minutes a game yeah i no, for i think for sure that's true but he was just surprised to see that it was only good i I remember it's funny josh actually texted me early in the season saying like, Hey, what, what gives, why is LaMelo not playing as much? I thought it was the fouling situation. He must have have drafted LaMelo ball onto his fantasy team. He must (laughs) have LaMelo. I will remember. And then also there was the time where LaMelo said, Hey, leave ish in the game. I'm going to sit on the bench. It's rolling right now. And they would end up winning that. And that was something cool that LaMelo decided to do. Hey, you know, this is what's working for the team. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's I, I think Lamelo is somebody that just with that minutes increase, his skill increase, for sure that's a big jump that he could take. But if you give him what, let's give him six more minutes per game, which is a lot. I mean, considering where he is right now, it's probably it might be too much on average. But let's give him six more minutes per game. Jalen going from sixteen, I think Jalen McDaniel's could go to like twenty five. Wow. I think that's, I th- yeah, I think that's, I think that's uh, within the realm of possibility, especially with Gordon Hayward's injury history and without Miles Bridges possibly playing the entire year. That's a real possibility. Uh, I'm also well, looking I, at the 20. 20- Go ahead. Well, I disagree. I mean, I, I think that Jalen could get that if there, but I, like, who are you taking minutes away from? Because I think it's still going to be Cody and Martin and Kelly Oubre taking a lot of those bench minutes, oh, so and then you got to find you got to find minutes for mark williams it really to me it comes down to especially early in the season i don't think jalen has that opportunity but say jalen just out battles jt thor and jt thor isn't a factor at all in any kind of rotation considerations for clifford then i could see it but otherwise i think you know jalen barring an injury is going to kind of languish in that 15 minutes per game area oh man yeah see I, i'd be disappointed in that especially i mean 
Kelly Kelly Oubre, I guess, is our biggest difference here because I I mean I think Jalen is a better player right now than Kelly Oubre. Wow. Um, Bold. Yeah. I mean, well, and uh, I mean certainly you know we've gone over the second half struggles, but you know Jalen could come in, his efficiency is great, and you look at his per thirty six projection next year from Basketball Reference, they have him at scoring possibly fourteen points per game. Like I would like, he's not going to play thirty six minutes, but if you had him play the twenty five, I'm talking about, yeah, you what would are get they some now? pretty decent. <laughs> I mean, what, what is ba- right. what a basketball reference projection? Like, do it. You know, I want to see what he does on the court. I don't care about basketball reference projections. Like, come on, don't don't do the playoff thing. I, I want to see what he can I do on the court too. Thing. I'm asking I'm to saying. see I'm what like, he can I don't do care on the about court. The, you know, basketball reference. Like, we don't yeah, care about on. blogs. <laughs> <laughs> You'd rather go to basketball index? Is that that's that's your tool? You want to go to basketball index and then see what they have to say, and then you're buying in. Well, because they're te- because basketball index is telling me about what you've done. I don't care about what you will do or what they think you're going to do. You know, I care about what you don't. When, when I draft the fantasy break. team, when I draft the fantasy team, I look at last season. I don't look at what you think is going to happen this season. You don't okay. know. So, so what are we doing with this question then? <laughs> I don't know. I don't Who's know. Gonna Who's gonna you run this jump? show, not me. No, no, I know. I actually, that's not true. I really don't. <laughs> I am just a puppet, <laughs> and you are the puppet master. Uh, all right, coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Maybe we can finish up some of that conversation, but also we're going to take a look at the projected starting five. Are there really interesting questions there, or is it going to be very easy for anybody to project number one through five? Who's out there game one as soon as the season starts. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride, but now nah, you think you live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. It's not really a big deal. Who cares? Right? So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, I would say, think again, anything can go wrong. Something absolutely horrible could happen so play it safe plan ahead to get a ride it only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever drive sober or get pulled over we'll take a quick break we'll come back and talk a little more about the projected starting five coming up next locked on hornets this is locked on hornets our boys gotta go cobra kai we gotta go 80s villain defense grow a goatee do the uh, gladiator stab him real quick in the ribs before have an the eastern game. european accent only on the locked on podcast network your team every day All right, Doug, let's take a look at the starting five. It's pretty easy, certainly through one through. It's it's pretty easy one through five, just based off what I'm not saying these are the best players, but it certainly looks like this is what Coach Clifford would go with. One through four is pretty easy. LaMelo, Terry, Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington. There's nobody that can take any of those spots one through four in the starting lineup. And then you go at the center spot and Mason Plumley. If you had to bet money right now, you would think Mason Plumley would be the starting big as the season begins. Mm-hmm. Mark Williams, I think there is a very, very outside shot, but still at least some kind of possibility where he does well in training camp, maybe does well in preseason. We already saw his defensive prowess in the summer league. I think offensively, we've talked about this too, offensively, as crazy as it sounds, I think it's going to be easier for him because the roster construction is so much better. You have so much more outside shooting and LaMelo ball is almost a cheat code. You're going to be better as a big guy to play with LaMelo offensively than 
Tyshawn Alexander, Bryce McGowan's, and some of the other PEGs you're playing with in the summer league. Yeah, there, there's an argument to be made, and, and not a crazy hard one, to be honest with you, that Mark should be starting. And if that's the case, I think there's a very little possibility. <laughs> He's like giving him the starting job already. Like, 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 like let him play one. Like, let him play one preseason game before we before we anoint Mark Williams the starting center of the Charlotte Hornets. So, look, like, you you're a very big fan of what have you done, right? Like, I've seen what Mason Plumley's done. So let, let's yeah, go with something no, new. It was no, there's no doubt about it. I mean, it was a disappointing season for Mason. Even I mean, I think. You know, I don't know that I had like super high expectations for Mason Plumley. I was no. pretty disappointed with what the Hornets were offering at the big position going into that season. But, but I think Mason struggled a lot. Um, it's not outside of the realm of possibility that 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 year, looking at his previous seasons before coming to Charlotte, that that year was an aberration. And certainly the Hornets are going to be banking on that somewhat. Even if Mark Williams is is the starter by midseason or late into the season, they're still going to need Mason Plumley to stay healthy to just maintain that big depth because you don't want to have to depend on Nick Richards or even Kai Jones to fill in minutes at the center position if you're legitimately trying to compete to get into the play-in or the playoffs. Uh, but now I, I would say that there's a non-zero chance that Mark Williams is a starter on night one, but I would put the probability super low because I, 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 I just that. I just don't see Mark Williams as somebody that was like immediately ready to start on a team that has you know, as as much as we can criticize Mason Plumley, like he's an NBA level big. You know what I'm saying? Like he he knows how to play in the NBA. So you know, I, I think Clifford's going to to probably lean on that at least early on, and and let Mark Williams develop a little bit. Yeah, and I I think that's a perfectly fine plan for the beginning of the season. We talked about it too. I think you agreed. You'd rather see Mark Williams in the starting lineup sooner rather than later. I mean, you, you don't want this to take too long, especially if, if, if Mark Williams just basically remains at status quo, what we think he's going to yeah. do. And then he lives up to that without completely falling on his face. Then I would rather see Mark Williams in the starting lineup as soon as we can possibly get him there. Right. It, part, 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 part of the appeal of Mark is the fact that he has a an, an immediately translatable skill to the NBA. He can uh -huh. protect the rim right now. And I'm not saying that there's not the nuances of the NBA game that he that he doesn't have to learn because he has it all figured out. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. But just by having a 10-foot standing reach immediately upon standing on an NBA court, that's going to help you out a lot. We we saw it. That he was turning. He was turning. He was making point guards turn it over as soon as they would get into the paint. Say, "Oh bleep! I can't get this shot off. Now I got to pass it. Wait, now it's too late. I'm going to pass it. Oh wait, now it's stolen." I, he's just by being big, he's going to help out, and so that that's why I, I like that skill, and I'm hoping that it can you know be put to use pretty early. Yeah, I mean, especially because you have Lamella Ball and Terry Rozier up top, and they and maybe they get better this year, you know, under under a Clifford defensive scheme. But last season they were just, uh, you, you know, just not, not awful on defense, but certainly not not great. Um, and and it was easy to penetrate this defense and get inside very quickly. And then you had Mason Plumley there, who was not a shot blocker and not going to move 
a guard out of the paint. There was no rim deterrence going on there. So that's what Mark Williams offers is rim deterrence, that even if your two guards are, are not going to necessarily keep guys in front all the time, you've got somebody that could at least delay that rim run for a little bit and force force more kickouts, force more rotation, and, and allow your defense to recover, essentially. Give LaMelo Ball and Terry Rozier a second chance uh, and, and not always get slice and dice uh, for easy layups. So that's number one. But number two is on the offensive side, Mark Williams hopefully can develop into that pick and roll big that LaMelo Ball so desperately needs a lob threat. I mean, I would much rather see Mark Williams flying through the lane catching a LaMelo lob than I would like to right. ever see Mason Plumley with the reverse dunk. As funny and like mimetic as that is, I'm, I'm done with the Mason Plumley reverse dunks. I would like Mark <laughs> Williams lob threat. We talked about that, yeah. Um, and play, yeah, and as funny as it might seem to want to start Mark immediately at the end of the day, like I, I see your minutes projections too. You know, you get it. Like you only have Mason playing six more minutes than Mark this season. You know, and maybe that's as how the season plays out. And I get that. You know, maybe you're talking about them being a little bit more even as we get to the middle of the year, as we get to the end of the year. But we we know what it is at the center spot. Like they yeah. needed help a while, and they finally invested. And and so let's let, let me let me just talk about why I think it would probably be beneficial to start Mason Plumley initially because it's not a defensive of Mason Plumley as the starter yeah. the entire year. What it is is a recognition that the starters you really want those players to to not you don't want to leave your starting unit in the middle of the first or towards the end of the first quarter in a 10, you know, 10, 12, 15 point hole that you have to dig yourself out the rest of the game. And that's the worry when you throw in a rookie is that both defensive breakdowns, but also you have to look at Mason Plumley as a good passing big too. Uh, something that I think we probably underrate Mark Williams for, but initially is going to be a lot harder to pass in the NBA than it was in summer league. So any, any flashes that we saw there, I'm going to say, well, hold on, let's see how he does, you know, in the preseason and, and heading in, uh, to to the regular season. But having that passing big is actually really beneficial for LaMelo, for Terry, for Gordon, somebody that can facilitate a little bit of the offense uh, and you, you know, and, and not leave yourself in a 10 to 12 point hole going into the second quarter. I think that's key. And, and Mason Plumlee will do that initially. And then Mark Williams will do that eventually. I'm really interested in the pick and pop game potential for Mark Williams because yeah. we we've talked about his free throw percentage sticking around 75% last year in college. Uh, we've discussed the underrated shot, right? We've un we've discussed the underrated passing too. But if I I don't we we saw in summer league a little bit where they gave him the ball on the block and he felt like he needed to do something and it went horribly wrong. Now, part of that again is the fact that they had awful construction the the paint is so clogged if you didn't have Brady Manic out there and maybe even a little bit of Leangelo ball that he didn't have much shooting now McGowan's was actually shooting pretty well but it wasn't his game at Nebraska the shooting was lacking and you're gonna have one through four in that starting lineup all of them pretty damn that that's a crazy one through four shooting lineup in fact I mean is there anybody else that has the 38 percent capability one through four in the NBA I'm sure I'm sure there's got to be a starting lineup out there that has that but and bottom line, the Hornets can be as good as anybody shooting point guard through power forward. That's going to help Mark, especially when you have LaMelo can run the pick and roll with you. I just don't want Mark to get the basketball on the on the block. Say, hey, go for it, because it's an inefficient, inefficient shot anyway, especially yeah. at that stage of his career. Let's get a whole bunch of dunks. 
Let's get some trash points off some offensive rebounds. And then let's go ahead and stick around that free throw line. If you want to, if somebody's diving and you feel like you have some separation, Mark can just pop at the free throw line and maybe knock down some shots there. I don't, if he's putting the ball on the deck, then there's something going wrong. I'm, you know, I'm especially with a team that has a pretty strong core that's been around for a while. I, I, I would just, I think, worry about inserting a rookie into the starting lineup that soon. What, 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 what message does that send? Totally I think Clifford's no, concerned about that. that. Yeah. But, 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 listen, but stay okay. with me here. If Mark Williams okay. comes into the preseason, gangbusters, undeniable just throwing down monstrous dunks and blocking every shot <laughs> and Mason Plumley continues to struggle. You know, his free throw percentage doesn't look good in the preseason. He he, he looks discombobulated. Then, then I'm going to be on board with starting Mark Williams, but it's got to be undeniable. It can't be a toss up. If it's a toss up early on, got to go to Mason. If, but if it's undeniable, absolutely. Mark Williams. I'll end with this. We've seen that before with PJ. Remember how awesome yeah. PJ was in preseason. Totally. It's 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 possible. Yeah. Um, all right. Coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. Don't go to sleep on the Hornets just yet. Who wore it best? We continue our journey. Had a big number to dissect last time. Alonzo Morning, number 33. We decided he wore it best. We'll go down the list of the other players, recap everything we've done, and then look ahead. Number 32, at least getting into the low 30s and then the late 20s. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports esports even golf so many sports to go ahead and check out bet online continues to be the top online resource for all your sport wagering information from live in-game betting scores and podcasts they have you covered head to bet online today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today bet online where the game starts who are at best coming up next is locked on hornets all right so so we've got al or we've got the question how like how did miles do that can you help us end this debate with so much an unbelievable amount on the line uh doug i respected in the nth degree um, but walker i'm telling you it was just it came it, every single person who saw that reacted that way some of us just were tight that's right tighter than others and i just had to release this from my body it's time for more of the locked on hornets podcast so, Walker, we just spent a lot of time there talking about the Hornets' first-round pick, Mark Williams. I've got some breaking news. Not Charlotte Hornets breaking news, but i got some breaking news that we can kind of tie into this whole situation, and it involves the Oklahoma City Thunder's first-round pick, Chet Holmgren, according to Woj, going to miss the entire 22-23 season with a Liz Frank injury to the right foot. Uh, that's I, that's uh, tough. That is a gut shot i hate that how can you not it it's Um, it's it's an absolute gut shot and so my my the way i'll tie this in is to say i don't care if mark williams starts or he's on the bench all i'm looking for in the preseason is for that dude to stay healthy because if he gets hurt number one and and misses an entire season (laughs) the hornets as a franchise and as a fan base i'm not sure we could take you know, obviously an injury to LaMelo Ball would be the absolute gut shot. But I think a, a close second would be Mark Williams, though. You finally get that thing 
that you've been needing for a long time, and the prospects are there. And if he were to miss an entire season, it would be, I think, devastating to morale. I'm not saying he's the winning lottery ticket. We don't know, but it would have that same type of feeling to scratch off your lottery ticket, see you won big, and then watch the wind take it away for you to never find it again. That's what it would feel like. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Oh, my future. <laughs> oh, my future. Is that what you would say? If you're winning lottery ticket. Oh, my future. Ticket, it's going away. away. Oh, no. Oh, my future. Oh, no. It's, uh, it's gone. Crying. That would, that would suck. I would okay. hate that. Yeah, I saw the initial news about there being potential ligament damage. So this just came in from Woj that he's going to miss the year. Yeah. Just a couple minutes ago. Yeah. yeah Woj bomb. Plus Chet, too, the unicorn-ish type of guy. I hate that, man. I really hate it. All right. Who wore it best? Transition. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our right, past. So who wore oh, it? we're looking at our past. Oh, oh my future. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who wore it best is the segment voice, we're doing yeah. this summer. We are looking at all of the Hornets jersey numbers and asking a simple question. Who wore it best? The rules are even simpler. We only look at the time that they spent uh, when they were a member of the Charlotte Hornets and when they wore that jersey number because some Hornets decided to swap jerseys while they were playing for this team or maybe they came back to the organization and wore wore a different number. So we only consider uh, when they wore that number. Shall I run it down for everyone and tell you who's won so far? We're going to get to a point where we're going to recap all of the jersey numbers. And, and that's that going to be, be the segment. segment. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll lead off. We'll quick, go second quick, segment then. recap. I'll do it yeah, quick as possible. Ahead. Number 98. Pass. The, the, only, the only person, Arnoldus Kubica. Number 55 went to Chris Douglas Roberts. Number 54, Nails. Lee Nalon. Number 54, the guy. The number 52, the Geiger counter. Matt Geiger. Number 50, <laughs> Ameka Okafor. Number 45, the Hammer. Armin Gilliam. Number 44 went to D.C. Derek Coleman. Number 43 went to Anthony Tolliver. Number 42, P.J. Brown. Number 41, Glenn Rice, the great Glenn Rice. Number 40, Cody Zeller. Number 35, Tommy T. with the frosted tips. Tom Tobert, Mm -hmm. the only player to wear number 39, which was also uh, the cable channel ESPN. That was my number when I played uh, pickup basketball. Anyway, I'm getting lost. (laughs) Number 35 went to Gerald World Class Glass. Number 34, uh, went to J.R. Reed, and then in our last episode, we only got to number 33, and that, of course, went to the great Alonzo Mourning. Even though he only spent three seasons, even though uh, the the exit was tumultuous, you had to give it up to the stats. Had to. Generational talent, Alonzo Mourning. So now we find ourselves number 32. Let me run down the list of names, Walker, for the people that are listening and not watching. Uh, Greg Kite, 1989. Wow, what a name. Brian, I'm going to say Rosum, Rousum maybe, 1989 to 1990. Tony Massenberg, Don, the number 32 in 1992. Hersey Hawkins, there's a big name, 1994. Travis Williams, 1998 to 1999. Eddie Robinson, a little bit of an underrated Hornets name from 2000. People love Eddie Robinson, man, yeah. Had a couple of moments. I love this name. This takes me right back the, to the Bobcats. We, we, we've we gone to him as the crazy, crazy deep Bobcat so many times. Tamar Slay. If you know Tamar Slay, then you are a Bobcats fan for sure. You you were in from the very beginning. Boris Dial, number 32, 2009 to 2012. And then Julian Stone had a cup of coffee in 2018. 
One of my favorite quotes in a um, media day session was Julian Stone coming in and saying, hey, look, I understand my role on this team because he didn't stay in the NBA at all. Like this is just one of the few stops he ever had. Maybe it was like maybe it was just the Hornets. But anyway, he said, my goal is to come in. And if anybody's being physical with Kimba, I need to go rough them up. I was like, yes, yes, Julian. That was awesome. Yeah, so a few names to mention here. You're clicking on Hersey Hawkins here first, and he played two seasons with the Charlotte Hornets. Played Did he three. wear three different? But right, so he played two seasons in a row, and then we just talked about him at 33 wearing um, that number his last season with the Hornets last season in the NBA. But I think he might have wore three different numbers because basketball yep. reference says he only wore this number in 1994. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Uh, he wore, we know he wore 33 in 2001 and he wore 32 in 1994. I'm not sure. I'm scrolling. I don't think, we I'm scrolling. I don't think we've run into him. So we haven't run into that third number yet. But yeah. Hersey is not going to win because he kept changing Jersey. numbers. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he, maybe but, he but, wins for just fashion. You know, he just wanted to keep changing it up. Now, if he wore number 31, that would be crazy. Because if he wore 31, 32, 33, that'd be fun. Right. I think on the podium for most underrated Hornet, or, you know, just he didn't play that long, but really good when he was here. Oh, yeah, totally. A great shooter, uh, good, really good offensive player. I compared Malik Monk and the skill set that Malik brought to, to Hersey Hawkins. I, I thought it was really that kind of player. Shooter a, size, yeah. Yeah, just shooter size could drive it. Um, yeah, I mean, and but look at Hersey though. I mean, eighty-two games, four times, five, six times in his career. Eighty-one games twice. Eight. I mean, they were resilient. Had an All-Star appearance in ninety-one, where he averaged. Uh, this wasn't with uh, Charlotte; it was with Philadelphia. But he had twenty-two points uh, per game that season. Two two point two steals. I mean, he was a steal machine too. Uh, just like Malik, I think Malik could steal it uh, pretty well as well. So there you go, Hersey Hawkins. That's your uh, rundown on Hersey Hawkins. But I think this one's easy. It's got to be Boris Diaw for his time. I don't. Th it, okay, I I wouldn't call it easy. The only reason I wouldn't call you it, it easy to Tamar Slay. Like who are you giving it to? I think we need to take a look at Slay. No, I think this is this is the we've run Greg into Kite? this a couple of times. I think <laughs> we've run into this. Kite? <laughs> we need to we need to have the same conversation we did about Derek Coleman and Kenny Gaddison. Like Boris Diaw, that was a really bad exit. It was That's also fine, for the I Bobcats. Mean, he played better than any of these players on this list. Like it's just undeniable. But we all loved Eddie Robinson. Go oh, just fun. go click just just humor me. Just humor me. Just click on Eddie Robinson's page real quick. Like the stats aren't going to be great, and I understand that. No, seven. But yeah, people seven, love he averaged him. around seven points per game on uh, some good shooting, effective field goal percentage of fifty-five percent, fifty-three percent for a yeah. I mean, a small forward, um, pretty good percentages. Was he wasn't much of a three-point shooter? Was doing it all from two because this was he was just athletic as hell. Like 90s, he could just yeah. slam it, and now so he because you know people were really excited about his athleticism. People loved them some Eddie Robinson, including me. So I I just. We can give it to Boris Dio. I'm not going to fight too hard for it. I just wanted to click on his page. That's all. I oh, that's to. fine. I, I like that you want to give some love to Eddie Robinson in that one of my favorite uh, Hornets eras, that late, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, right before yeah. they left. I love that era. I get it. 
But Boris Diaw was an impact player on the Bobcats team and the and the run that they made in or not run but run to the playoffs. Boris, <laughs> they didn't make a yeah. run in the play. They ran away in the playoffs. But um, <laughs> Boris Diaw was a, a huge part of that. His his uh, you know resurgence of his career and and his three point shooting were a big part of why the Bobcats were able to uh, make that run with with Larry Brown. Uh, maybe time it feels for very one more. weird to give that. Yeah, we got one more. Yeah, it feels weird to give that to DL, but I get it. We, we probably have to. All right, All right thir- let's go to 31 really quickly. Kurt Rambis, 1989-1990. Randolph Keys, 90-91. Ron Grandison, 92. Malik Rose, 97. Jamal Sampson, 2005. James Sutherland, 2014. Oh, <laughs> and then Joe Cheely, one of those great like training camp names. Joe Cheely, yeah. 2019-2020. Who you got here? I mean, it's... It, it's tough, but but maybe even be, not so much. I think it's so got to be the goggles, Probably. baby. I think it's got to be Kurt yeah, Rambis. Yeah, it's got to be. Yeah, Kurt, Kurt Rambis is going to be your answer. Yeah, click, click on his reference page real quickly just so we can see his stats for the Hornets because people will think about him more so for the Lakers. Well, obviously, but yes. When he, uh, obviously, yeah. yes. Well, but, yeah. but he was the big name that, that came over in that inaugural season and the expansion mm-hmm. draft because the Lakers made him available because it was towards – you know, it's kind of towards the end of his Lakers run, and uh, it was kind of time, and so they made him available. So he only spends one and a half seasons, but he, but just the goggles and that Rambus in that jersey is kind of iconic to that inaugural year. So got to give it to. I, I agree with that. What? How many points did he average? Let's see, eleven points per game. Yeah. Uh, and the most he ever scored. Rebounds. Almost averaged a double double. Look, look how much more that is than any time with the Lakers burn you know, so he's re- yeah I, well he's he's so he's the guy that is remembered for getting clotheslined is that a Celtics game that happened yeah because they always say look look at this era this is the era that they basically played football and then he comes over to the Hornets and then increases his PPG at 30 years old by seven <laughs> yeah I mean he was so in his last season before being made available in this expansion draft he was only averaging 12 minutes per game for the Lakers so his run was his run was done he was a good role player for the Lakers and it was over and then he comes to the Hornets they don't have anybody um, so he plays almost 30 minutes per game we talked to on uh, every Hornets box score we got to talk to uh, Marty Conlon a, a uh, you know sort of a journeyman center who had a cup of coffee with the Hornets in the 90s and he was talking about how like, you know, sometimes you just get opportunities like that and you suddenly have big minutes and you get to show off your talent and, you know, to earn, you got to get some burn. And that's what happened to Marty Conlon. And uh, he turned that into a nice little run with the uh, Milwaukee Bucks and Kurt Rambis getting a little burn here towards the end of his career. A little one shining moment, really, because I mean, after that, after he leaves the Hornets, he goes to Phoenix and turns back into a role player, spends a few more years in the league and then he's out. A little bit of a different segment Rambo. compared to Alonzo Morning, going with Boris Diaw and Kurt Rambis. <laughs> Just a little bit different. Thanks for Rambo. making Locked On Hornet. Yeah. Uh, keep going. Just keep going. Thanks for making you know, Locked On Hornet Rambo, your first listen his name every day for your second listen. Get up to date on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA, your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. We'll have more preseason questions coming up in tomorrow's episode. So have a great rest of your day, and we'll be back with you tomorrow to close the weekend.